0: Marcus Paul, almost a public figure.
1: Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the mornings, right across Australia, on the iHeart Radio and TuneIn Radio
0: apps. The biggest issues. The biggest guess. Marcus Paul in the morning starts now. Hello there and welcome. Nice to have you company on this Thursday morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Sorry about yesterday. Uh, sometimes things pop up. And <laughs> you need to take a day. Uh, probably didn't need to considering we've got a few days off. Uh, short week this week, short week next week. And then I think the following <laughs> week as well. Uh, isn't there? Yeah, two long weekends in a row. Of course, on the 25th, we have Anzac Day. Uh, I look forward to bringing you some detail very soon on how we can uh, commemorate Anzac Day um, in the proper way this year uh, without bloody pesky COVID getting in the way. Anyway, plenty to talk about since my absence. Uh, What on earth is going on at Sydney's Family Royal Easter Show? Dear, oh dear, we've had a stabbing of a youth, gang-related violence. It all blew up just the other night and unfortunately we've had loss of life. Anyway, uh, the Royal Agricultural Society are putting some security measures in place and they started last night, increased lighting and, uh, and increased police presence. But how do you feel about uh, being frisked or in fact wandered over, if you like? Or walking through a metal detector in order to get into the Sydney Royal Easter show. All because these bunch of kids can't control themselves and behave themselves. You know, anyway, um, hopefully police can lay charges on the culprit. And, you know, I feel terribly sad for this 17 year old boy's family, and particularly his, I think his girlfriend. She's pregnant with his child as well. It's just a. An awful, tragic loss of life. Anyway, I'll talk about that uh, a little bit on the election campaign. Um, These guerrilla tactics, if you like, of activists on both sides, but look, in particular, uh, the Labour activist who uh, basically shoved a mobile phone camera in Scott Morrison's face and then called him a disgrace and all this sort of stuff, and it's the second time it's happened. Uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like it. I, I I really don't. I just think it shows a lack of respect. I think it, uh, you know, it, uh, there, there are plenty of ways that you can vent your, your frustration, or you can, you know, you can write what you want to write if you're on social media, you can publish your own, you know, thoughts on anybody. You know, from many political party, but I just don't think it's the right thing to do. I don't think, I don't think it's fair, you know, to, to ambush somebody who's just doing their job. And that's what Scott Morrison is doing. If you don't think he's doing a good enough, enough job, well, then, of course, you can vote appropriately on the 21st of next month. I just think it, a little like the protesters lying down in the road. It's just getting a little ridiculous and a bit out of hand. Uh, and even Anthony Albanese's called it out, saying it's just you know it's it's the wrong way to go about it. You know the strongest way you can voice your disapproval of uh, of the current government, if that's how you feel, is at the ballot box, and then you allow democracy to you know to play its part. All right, um, those coming those issues coming up, and. Um, Johnny Depp Amber Heard, boy oh boy oh, but what on earth is happening in that court over in America? You know, it's like a, uh, I reckon, I'm sure it's being broadcast on court television. I think it'll be the biggest show in town, considering neither of them really are employable now in, in movies with this going on. All of their dirty laundry is about to be aired over, what, another month or five weeks worth of trial and ultimately it'll be decided by a jury as to whether um, Johnny Depp is successful in suing his ex-wife for $67 million. It's just... Anyway, dirty laundry. They'll love it in the United States and, look, I'm talking about it. It's gossip. So that's coming up. Plenty more. Uh, Thank you for your company here on starterfm.com.au and, of course, on iHeartRadio. Tune in and on the PrawnCast if you're listening later in the day. Uh, You can always send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au and you can make a comment, if you like, on the Facebook page. We'll keep you up to date with this morning's news. That's coming up thanks to Air News and some great tunes as well. Welcome to Thursday. All right, welcome back. Nice to have your company on this Thursday. I hope you're looking forward to a nice Easter long weekend. Uh, And the good news is we should have a fairly dry and warm one, particularly uh, around the east coast of the country. Uh, Some top temperatures too. A little summer-like, we're told, uh, getting up around 29, 30 degrees over the Easter long weekend. Don't forget, of course... Double demerit points, particularly in New South Wales, they began last night at midnight. Well, Anthony Albanese has slammed the actions of a labour campaigner who snuck into a private function before screaming at the Prime Minister. Ah uh, good to see, you. can I get a photo? Is, sure. that, is that all right? Yeah. You in the press back, are you? No. Oh, right. <laughs> no, no, I'm like, I live up in the mountains. so uh, oh, okay.
1: can, I, can I ask one question? Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. One, one question. Yeah, I'm just up uh, in the mountains, so I came down today. Um, I've I just got. Yeah, one well, of my mates works behind the bar. So, he oh, okay. said, so, yeah. "I just yeah. want to ask one uh, question, Skymo." Look, um, across across what's the river, over there, just What's recording. going on? there? No, why is it recording? Oh, I'm just because i Well, I just want to ask you a question.
0: Mate, I'm sorry, this is a private event. Oh, well, sorry about that. I'm, okay. Yeah, this, this is a, this is a media. Well, I'm, I'm oh. hosting some drinks for the oh, media. event. Oh, I, I just want to ask you a, a question. Sorry, what's going on? Skymo, so across across the river here, across the Pen River. People lost their houses, people lost their houses and they were burnt. You're a a disgrace. You are a disgrace. Albo has labelled the action as completely inappropriate. Talking to reporters, the Labour leader said he'd seen the footage of AIDS and rights accosting Scott Morrison. It happened on Tuesday night with Mr Albanese saying people should behave civilly. We need to have a civil discourse. Our democratic process can be robust, but people can be polite and perhaps can engage in appropriate forums in appropriate ways. He also added, there are security concerns when people jump in, in circumstances whereby you don't know where they are from. And he noted, he had substantial security at the moment and there's a reason for that. Look, this, uh, this bloke from the Blue Mountains screeched at ScoMo, you're a disgrace.
1: You're a disgrace! You are a
0: disgrace! At a private function on Tuesday night, uh, he is a self-styled stock market guru and long-time Labour activist. And he's campaigned for a number of current MPs. Yeah, look, and he filmed himself and he put it up on TikTok and all the rest of it. But I think, uh, I agree with Albo, there's a time and a place. Look, if he wants to uh, say he thinks in his mind the Prime Minister is a disgrace and all the rest of it, then, you know, uh, I don't think it's very fair shoving, uh, I wouldn't like anybody to do it to me. So put yourself in, in Scott, look, even if you disagree with his policies, which I clearly do, um, you know, there does have to be some kind of civility here. And look, if, if the prime ministership change uh, eventually, and you know, you're an Anthony Albanese fan, which a lot of my followers are, I mean, you wouldn't appreciate someone from the right jumping in, filming Albo, screeching at him as well. So look, I, like I say, I agree with Anthony Albanese. So, Labour has condemned the actions of Mr. Wright and said it was investigating the fiery confrontation. Now, this bloke, Mr. Wright's prolific posting across social media, shows that he is a long time Labour volunteer, with videos posted to his TikTok account of him campaigning during the Strathfield by election in February and celebrating alongside victorious Labour candidate Jason Yatsen Lee. Now, earlier posts show him campaigning for federal Labor MP Susan Templeman and posing with Tanya Plibersek. Now, the ambush won the approval of Labor backing online firebrand Jordan Shanks. Of course, we know who that is. (laughs) Friendly Jordies, who shared the video on his social media stating another embarrassing encounter for Scott Morrison. Now Mr. Wright's videos show a history in recent years of speaking at public rallies on climate change, which is great, as well as edited TikTok videos of him bagging the Liberal Party. And again, that's all fine. I just don't like the the ambushing of of the Prime Minister. It wouldn't matter who it is, I, I just I disagree with that. I'm sorry, that's just how I feel. There's a time and a place for this sort of stuff. Why is it recording? Uh, anyway, the former Young Citizen of the Year for the Blue Mountains purports in his social media profiles to be a new era stock investment expert with various job roles posted, including founding a company he claims helps new and old investors learn about new stocks and have more information in a centralised and easy to understand way. Perhaps he should stick to the stock market rather than ambushing public figures. His profile also shows a work history as an equity research analyst at Roseville-based investment firm Hill Capital, while he also claims to be studying a Bachelor of Applied Finance at Macquarie University. His resume also includes a stint as a receptionist at the Independent Education Union of Australia. Look, there's nothing wrong, you know, with being involved in activism. Uh, you just need to be a little smarter about it. I don't know, I mean, maybe his ambush has got him the five minutes of fame that he was after. Um, I, I just worry that these sorts of stunts, if you like, backfire a little. His video posted last night shows him approaching the Prime Minister at the event and preparing to ask the Prime Minister a question. Mr Morrison asks why he is recording recording? before turning away from the conversation with Mr Wright screaming, you're a disgrace as he was escorted from the venue. You're a, you're a disgrace! You are a disgrace! Look, it is the latest guerrilla video to take the Prime Minister by surprise on the campaign, with another heckler at the Edgeworth Tavern last week, of course, posting a selfie video of herself saying, congratulations on being the worst Prime Minister we've ever had to Mr Morrison. Yeah, look, I, I would suggest uh, anybody involved in this uh, election should be very weary, and I agree with Albo, that's why he also has security. Uh, You don't know what people are going to say, everybody's armed with a mobile phone with a camera on it these days, and to be honest, it's best (laughs) that they're kept at arm's length. That's my take on it anyway. Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have your company. You might uh, feel free to let me know your comments on this. You can do so, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au or, of course, comment on the Facebook page. Yeah, welcome back. How secure and private is your internet service? Are you looking for something that gives you, you know, a little more privacy? Maybe you enjoy streaming entertainment services, and you're a little bit sick and tired of what's on offer here in Australia. Very soon, I'll be joined by a bloke named Pete, Pete Dujan, who runs an Australian company called Oak, and they have a a VPN service that you may well be interested in. Anyway, Pete coming up on the program very soon. In the meantime, I I made mention earlier, of course, that we are going to see some sunshine over this Easter long weekend, which is wonderful news. But I also understand that Australia may be on the path to a wet winter on the back of record-breaking rain over summer, despite sunny skies (laughs) over the next three or four days of holidays. The Bureau predicted one part of the state would see the wet continue over the Easter break, with most wet conditions easing from today. Now, Friday, uh, there may be some showers up in the north of New South Wales, uh, but it will mostly clear uh, for Saturday, Easter Saturday, Sunday and Easter Monday, uh, which is good news. Now. But there is the warning of the potential of a negative Indian Ocean dipole. Yeah, I've got no idea what that is either. But apparently there's an acronym, IOD. It's a climate system responsible for driving higher than average rainfall, which could hit the West Coast this winter. Now, an IOD is when sea surface temperatures differ in the West and East, of the Indian Ocean, which then makes Australia's climate warmer or cooler and can cause droughts or floods. A negative IOD means cooler temperatures are recorded in the ocean's western pole, bringing more westerly winds and increased cloudiness to Australia's northwest and more rain in the nation's south. So, look, the weather zone folk say the system could cause heavy rain across the majority of the country throughout this winter. There we go. They say typically a negative IOD causes above average rain over large areas of northwestern, central, and southern Australia, and then extends to inland parts of eastern Australia as well. It basically impacts parts of every inland state and territory. As the east coast begins to recover from damaging rains and floods, That had been aggravated by La Nina, the Bureau warning of more of the same to come. There we go. A negative IOD and La Nina behave very similarly. They both put more moisture into the air and increase the chance that you'll receive above average levels of rain. Alright, we'll see what happens. Um, (laughs) Who knows, really. I mean, it's hard, I guess. To know what will happen beyond the next fortnight or so, but the weather bureaus say, well, broadly, that above-average rain is an increased chance, but we can't really say they can't really say how much rain will fall. We'll see what happens. It's a shame we didn't build more dams, hey? Markers fall in the morning. All right, welcome back. Don't forget. Uh, in New South Wales in particular, um, if you're listening to us in that state, double the merit points are now in place over the Easter long weekend, and I, I imagine for other states and territories as well. Okay, nice to have you company on this Thursday. Well, maybe over the Easter break you're going to the Royal Easter Show in Sydney. It's promising a safer experience for all with significant security measures now implemented across the entire park to deter delinquents. Uh, Of course, a major increase in the number of police personnel patrolling late into the night will occur and multiple metal detectors will be front and centre at showground entrances for patrons to walk through. That's what it's come to, unfortunately. Yep, metal detectors in order to get in to the Royal Easter show. I'll get to why in a moment. You've probably heard this, of course. We've had a teenager killed in a gang-fuelled Sydney Easter show brawl. This 17-year-old who's apparently, uh, well, his partner was pregnant with their child. Anyway, additional lighting, including large portable street lamps with bright beaming capacities. They're also employed now in the main carnival. Where this 17 year old ride operator employee, Utai Pele uh, Falital, was killed. Anyway, uh, the the area, the Carney area, has now been reopened after being closed uh, on Tuesday, of course. Uh, we weren't on air yesterday, but on Tuesday it was closed because of the fatal stabbing on Monday night. More security personnel will search ticket holders at the gates by conducting random bag checks and frequent hand-wanding. Sydney Royal Easter Show and Agriculture General Manager Murray Wilton said event organisers will be beefing up security protocols to deter delinquents from bringing their mess into the premises. I mean, look, to be honest, Sydney's Royal Easter Show is supposed to be a family events event. Fun and safe It was anything but that On Monday night As this stabbing took place Near the Pirates Revenge Ride Which is located right next door To the Showbag Pavilion I mean I've seen the video of it Horrific You know it's, it was directly On Australia Avenue Where the carnival section of the, uh, of the show is Unbelievable scenes Anyway, there's been a significant increase in regard to the amount of police on the ground uh, and they'll have more security and metal detectors that will be visible as well and they hope that it's going to be a major deterrent for people wanting to bring anything dangerous into the show. Look, I guess the question does need to be asked, how on earth did uh, a person, probably a young person involved in this gang violence, How on earth did they manage to bring a knife into the show? Well, the Carnival Precinct will now be a lot lighter, with greater visibility for everyone and for police and security people. The majority of them have arrived and all of them will be here uh, over the Easter period, we're told. Patrons with twilight tickets will also be given early access to the show 30 minutes before the agreed 4pm entry time to make up for the lost time on the reduced opening hours of the main carnival. Now, the main carnival area, which is a popular attraction, will now close at 9.30, as opposed to the usual 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock finish time. All because these bastards decided to bring their gang violence to Sydney's Royal Easter show. Everybody else gets to miss out. Dear, oh, dear me. Anyway, uh, look, The uh, we're told too um, the Royal Easter Show had not yet been in touch with the 17-year-old victim's family upon receiving police advice that it was not the best thing right now. Uh, Mr Wilton, Murray Wilton, uh, the show's boss, said we are still yet to make contact with the family and we've been advised by New South Wales Police that it may not be the best thing for us to contact them at this time, but we'd like to contact the family, uh, so they will do that. Anyway, uh, by the way, too, uh, that ride uh, that that little boy uh, was uh, failed to be strapped into. Um, that ride, by the way, has also been taken down overnight. So. Uh, while the show and WorkSafe continue to investigate it. Uh, The name of the ride's just uh, slipped my mind. But anyway, it's the one that goes up and down. (laughs) Most do, don't they? Anyway, uh, yeah, the ride where that little boy uh, failed to be strapped in and caused some dramas the other day. Thank goodness he wasn't hurt and wasn't flung from the ride. He was rescued. But anyway, that's being uh, taken down now and... Uh, won't uh, be involved in the rest of the Royal Easter show. If you are going over the weekend, enjoy it. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, don't worry about what happened earlier this week. By the sounds of it, they've got all the right protocols, security and safety-wise, in place. Marcus Paul in the morning. In just a couple of moments, Rents in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, especially in Brisbane, Anyway, they've surged by a staggering margin this year. I'll give you the details of that story in just a couple of moments. Marcus Paul in the morning on the 14th day of April. G'day, it is Thursday. Nice to have you company. Thursday morning. G'day Marcus, Paul here, nice to have your company. Uh, Make sure you give us a like and a follow on Facebook if you haven't already. And if you do download the Prawncast, which a lot of you do each day, uh, please feel free to share it on your social media, uh, on Facebook or whatnot, we'd appreciate that. Well, this may come as no surprise to renters. There is a crisis right now for tenants as rents explode right across Australia in particular for Brisbane and Sydney. But let's look at Sydney here. Rental prices have exploded over the past year and more increases are set to come in what could be another city rental crisis. That's a report that came out yesterday. Rents for houses have surged nearly 20% over the past year, while rents for units increased by around 10%. Now, in Brisbane, it's worse. Rents for houses in Brisbane have exploded by 21%. That's according to data from the property analysis group, SQM Research. The rise in rents followed a gradual erosion in the supply of available rentals. With the number of vacant properties nearly halving from around 25,000 last year, this is in Sydney by the way, to 12,800 at the end of March. Now, the Sydney-wide vacancy rate, which measures the proportion of all rental stock without a tenant, dropped from 3.4% in early 2021 to 1.6% in March of this year. SQM Research Director Louis Christopher said falling vacancies were part of a larger national rental crisis that has deepened. Market rents have exploded, he said. Some of our capital cities and regions are recording asking rental increases in excess of 15% over the past 12 months. Increased rents have come as real estate agents reported higher migration levels have boosted rental demand. This has coincided with a drop in first home buyer activity, which has meant fewer tenants leaving the rental pool. Years of lacklustre investment activity following the COVID outbreak in early 2020 has also meant fewer new landlords entering the market, further eroding the supply of rentals. Uh, Now, they say the recent monthly data suggested the worst point of the rental crisis was still yet to come. Many localities and townships are recording zero vacancy rates, it's likely that homelessness will be increasing in this environment. Now, it's not something that can be resolved overnight, but it is hoped the various state and territory governments will ramp up their rental assistance packages in order to cushion the rental accommodation emergency that we have here and now. Now, co-founder of purchases agency, Buyers Buyers, A bloke by the name of Peter Wargent said one of the reasons the supply shortage may worsen was because of the absence of foreign buyers, particularly from China. Foreign investment rules prohibit non-residents from buying anything but newly built properties and the demand this created for new projects helped stimulate further new projects, boosting rental supply. Now, over the past decade, new apartment projects have largely been funded by superannuation fund investors and non-resident investors, mainly from China. Now, neither cohort is buying heavily anymore as credit has tightened. And as the home builder stimulus impact starts to recede, what we're seeing, well, basically, is a shortage of rental properties in some cities and locations. Look, the number of residential real estate approvals reported by the Foreign Investment Review Board fell another 38% in the 2021 financial year to sit at the lowest levels in a decade and a half, with no sign of the multi-year slowdown reversing. So there we go. Rentals in short supply, basically pushing up rental rates. How are you situated in all of this? Drop me a line, let me know. Marcus.Paul at StarterFM.com.au Welcome back, Marcus, Paul. In the morning on this Thursday, it is the 14th day of April. We'll get back into the uh, election coverage for you in just a couple of moments. But a lot of you listening to us online or, or downloading the podcast or Prawncast online as well, it made me think... How secure and private is your internet access? Is it something you think about? Is it something you should think about? I think it is. So to talk about this today, I thought we'd catch up with Pete Dujan. G'day, Pete. How are you?
1: Hi, Marcus. How are you going?
0: Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Now, you're from a company. Um, how do you pronounce the name of... Uh, is it Owick?
1: Uh, we pronounce it as oak. oak. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: All right. It, it's just that it's O E C K. But, well, that's a strange way of saying oak, but that's okay. Makes sense to me. Oak. All the, oak. All the W's, oak.com. Uh, tell me, what's your business all about,
1: Pete? Uh, so basically, at its core, it's a uh, it's a privacy service. It's what's known as a VPN, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be well aware of.
0: All right, for those um, that don't know what a VPN is, just tell us.
1: Yeah, so basically, a VPN stands for virtual private network. Yep, and it basically just allows you to um, to appear as though you're you're coming from somewhere else on the internet. Um, all of that information is encrypted between our servers and the home user, um, and that, that's, that's basically how it sort of um, sort of works. It uses encryption and, and all that stuff, which I think uh, is beyond the uh, time we have to, to go through that for this interview. All right. But.
0: But your 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 company Oak, um, you provide private and secure internet access, uh, a next gen VPN, if you like. Uh, so w- when you say it's a next gen VPN, what are you offering?
1: Uh, so basically, we we built this thing from the ground up uh, a few years ago. It took us two years to build, but yeah. every VPN on the market uh, just it, it ticks some boxes, but not the others. Right. And um, everyone has different needs. Uh, so a buddy of my, and, and myself uh, decided, all right, well, let's just build what we want to exist um, just for ourselves, just, just because we wanted it. Yeah. Um, so the further we started developing it, the more ideas we got. Um, we had friends and family testing it and, and giving us feedback. Um, so, basically, what we've done is you have the VPN, so you connect to a local server. So, for for Sydney users, for example, that connect to Sydney, right. their internet will be really nice and fast because the server's local, really low ping, uh, latency, and what we do, the magic we do, is we sort of unblock the internet with that. So by What do you mean? To- Just
0: explain that, you unblock the internet. What does that
1: mean? so companies uh have these silly things called licensing agreements which they've really taken the end consumer for a ride on for many years so if you take netflix as an example um, you pay your monthly subscription for netflix and you go onto netflix and you watch whatever um, movies and tv tv shows they have available to australian users yeah if you were to get on an airplane and fly to america and log into Netflix with your own account, and you've paid the exact same amount of money.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you get a different uh, media library. You get different movies, you get different TV shows. Um, and usually it's more because it is America. They've got a massive uh, market over there. Yeah. So, what we do is we take some of your traffic when you're connected to our VPN and we redirect that through America or the UK. Or Greece or we've got over 30 Netflix regions available. Okay. So you run the VPN uh, in the background on your device and load up Netflix and depending on which country you've told Netflix to, um, to go to, mm. uh, you'll receive that library from Netflix. But the good thing is you don't have to connect to a server in the USA uh, for the VPN as an example. You uh, connect that's to your server? Yeah, you just connect to Sydney, and everything yeah. else is is done automatically. And it's not just Netflix we have. We offer Hulu, um, BBC, Channel Four. That we there's over I think thirty or forty channels um, that are automatically unblocked. Okay. And if we don't have it. Uh, Just request it and we'll do our best to add it in.
0: All right. So it's, uh, I guess, the most advanced streaming VPN on the market. That's what you say. Your revolutionary residential IP, smart routing, is built into the Oak Network. All you need to do is simply connect to the VPN region that's closest to you. Say for me, it'd be Sydney. uh, And you can access your favorite movies and shows from over 30 regions around the world.
1: Yeah, and and the whole time uh, for the rest of your browsing, it's all nice and hidden and safely tucked away. Um, we don't we went really uh, all out to make sure that we uh, protect our users. Um, okay, so there's none of no no, uh,
0: no risk of malware or viruses or anything like that.
1: Uh, Look, to say there's no risk is probably not accurate, but we do mitigate that risk um, a fair bit. We do have uh, safe blocks built in. Um, We've actually got a feature called Cerberus, um, and I built that with my daughter in mind uh, because I wanted a bit of flexibility um, regarding uh, internet usage. And basically what that does, um, you can create device profiles. We call them device profiles, but basically there are... uh, family sharing accounts, if you want to call it that. Yeah. So for my daughter, I would create a, a profile called Evie, and then you can log into the VPN with that username, and I can set uh, certain uh, features on that, so I can limit um, what uh, which websites she can access. Oh, uh, right. so
0: like parental controls?
1: Yeah, it's like parental controls, um, but it it actually comes in handy for the adults as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because we've actually. Uh, split up what you can block so we've got it in four main categories at the moment and that's ads malware adult content and social networks so for my daughter's account um, ads are switched off malware switched off adult content is switched off and social networks are switched off so she can't uh, access Facebook or anything like that Um, for my account I've got the ads blocked and the malware blocked so everything's nice and snappy uh, and quick. And the ad blocking is actually really cool because I was getting my mum to test the VPN and, and, you know, she's in her sixties. Yeah. Um, And it was running for about a month. And one day she gave me a call and it it turned out uh, she had disconnected from our VPN uh, just by playing with On on her computer. Sure. And uh, she, yeah, she was basically just like, why is my internet all of a sudden crap? And I went to check it out and she's like, oh, it's laggy and everything's taking ages to load. And it was only because she had turned our VPN off. As as soon as she turned it back on, uh, it was the ads, so general surfing all the ads that are popping up, it just slows everything down. All right. Uh, this so, makes it nice and snappy.
0: So not only is the internet access via Oak secure, but it's private. You secure your your customers' privacy um, and, uh, you know, there's no uh, hard drive system sharing of data, if you like, or, or usage activity.
1: Yeah, we, um, we really went – uh, really went all out on that. So we ended up um, buying our own routers uh, inside of the data center. We bought all of our servers that are now inside of the data center. Um, our VPN servers, for all the geeks listening out there, um, <laughs> they, ru- um, they just run on RAM. So right. if, if, if a server was to ever be seized, um, as soon as it's disconnected from the power, there's there's literally nothing there. There's not a, even okay. an operating system running, mm. um, and we don't store logs anyway, so okay. um, it's sort of a double whammy on that one.
0: All right, so let's have a look here. So not only uh, do you provide private, secure internet access, uh, you can automatically unblock streaming services from you know some 30 regions around the world but you keep the family safe as well uh, as we mentioned before of course you can block dangerous sites and services uh to help prevent ads malware phishing sites and a whole heap more great stuff
1: yeah yeah okay. um and there is another uh really good feature for it and that's for all the afl lovers out there right um there's a uh, service called Watch AFL, um, and you can't access it within Australia, or you can't you can't get its full feature set if you're within Australia. Hang on, but it's to... Australian
0: Football League.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, weird. but it's it's there specifically for overseas uh, customers. I'm wow. picking it for when you travel. Okay. Um, we've unblocked that, so yeah. you can actually get uh, AFL on demand and all the live games. Yeah. Uh, from within Australia, and I think. From memory, it's only like 140 or 150 bucks uh, a season, uh, sure. and it it gives you 12 months. So, um, a lot of friends who watch AFL, they're they're using our service specifically just for that one uh, one service. All
0: right, well, let's get to the nitty gritty. Um, if look, people, if you if you want to, uh, if you're listening to us live or you're listening to us on the prawncast, the podcast, type this into your computer: all the w's Oak, but it's spelt o e c k dot com. All right, so go there, all the W's dot o e c k. Uh, Have a browse through the services available, but let's get to the pricing so people can get protected today. So, you've got a a range of subscriptions, is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, we offer seven days. Uh, that's usually for people who just uh, want a VPN to. to you know, do whatever they need to for yeah. a couple of days, and 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 that's about it. Yeah. Um, one month, uh, and 12 month plans. And if you use the coupon code Marcus Paul, <laughs> uh, we'll give you a 15% discount to very our important. service for all of our plans. Very important, yes, very Okay,
0: important. so if you want to, uh, if you want to get this secure private internet access, go to all the W's oec dot uh, and if you sign up, look for the, uh, what are we looking for for the, uh, the coupon?
1: Uh, Marcus Paul for 15% off. Okay. And, and, and uh, you know what? You know what? Yeah. We'll do, we'll do 20% off if you put in Prawny.
0: Wow. Okay. So Marcus Paul, 15%. Prawny, 20%. Okay, yeah. now Let's we're talking. That. And look, <laughs> uh, it starts at uh, at seventeen dollars. Uh, that's for the seven days, of course. Uh, a month around nine ninety five a month, and if you sign up for a twelve month subscription, which is the best value there, six ninety seven a month. And of course, it all comes with a thirty day money back guarantee. Wonderful stuff.
1: Yeah, um, the pricing is all in uh, US dollars, Uh, there's a very good reason for that and that's because the government in their infinite wisdom decided to pass legislations and laws that prevent VPN companies from effectively functioning in Australia, so we had to set up offshore for the uh, privacy of our users, but But it, it works out to about 11 bucks a month right. uh, when you pay monthly and $95 when you pay yearly Okay, in Australian dollars.
0: That address, one more time all the W's dot oak. that's O E C K dot com. Uh, let's talk more about this throughout the coming uh, few weeks or so, Pete. It's, uh, I mean, well done on putting this together. How many subscribers have you got so far?
1: Uh, not enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we, could always we can always use
1: more. We can always. Yeah, sure. Yeah.
0: All right. So and again, if uh, look, if you do want to get oak, uh, and you put in the uh, the the coupon, Marcus Paul, you'll get fifteen percent off. And if you put in Prawny you'll get 20% off. You can automatically unblock streaming services as we've mentioned. Uh, you'll get private and secure internet access. And of course, you can keep the family safe as well. So please get online, have a look, all the dot oak, dot com, And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this, Pete. Sounds good, thank you. Thursday morning, Marcus Paul in the morning now As you know, normally I don't go for much of the celebrity uh, gossip and all that kind of stuff But this is just too juicy And of course it has an Australian theme as well I'm talking about the big spat between Johnny Depp and his ex-wife Amber Heard And apparently they're counter suing each other for ridiculous amounts of money Uh, $67 million is the amount that I heard apparently Johnny Depp wants. Amber Heard's lawyer has told a court that the Hollywood star, Johnny Depp, dragged the actress across the floor, punched her, kicked her, and then penetrated her with a liquor bottle. This all apparently happened on a trip to Australia in 2015. I think that was the year as well they brought the dogs, Pistol and Boo, and then they had a blow with uh, the deputy, uh, uh, deputy PM. Was he at the time? Anyway, I'm talking about old beetroot, Barnaby Joyce. Anyway, Depp shook his head. No in the courtroom when Elaine Bredhoft made the statement to jurors as the actor's explosive defamation case against his ex-wife Heard opened in the US Tuesday their time. Some pretty horrendous things happen to Heard. He rips off a nightgown. He has her jammed up against a bar. He's hurled bottles at her. He tells her he's going to kill her. He's pounding her. And then he penetrates her with a liquor bottle. Really? <laughs> Jesus. I think it's a good thing these two are actually exes now. Anyway, uh, the lawyer said the alleged assault happened during a three-day cycle of very, very violent activity by Depp after he took eight to 10 tablets of ecstasy. Wasn't he shooting Pirates of the Caribbean here in Australia? Was he on X while he was filming or something? Depp's lawyer, Benjamin Chu told the court that his client's name has been destroyed by a lie. Chu told the jury Uh, which is uh, in that Fairfax, Virginia courtroom, that they probably know the Pirates of the Caribbean star as, quote, a respected artist whose name was associated with success at the box office. Today his name is associated with a lie, said Chew. By choosing to lie about her husband for her own personal benefit, Amber Heard forever changed Mr. Depp's life and his reputation. You will hear him tell you the dreadful impact it has had on his life. Alright, well, the case was brought after Amber Heard penned an opinion piece in the Washington Post back in 2018 about being a survivor of domestic violence. Now, Depp has denied any abuse and is suing Heard for around $67.3 million dollars saying that she defamed him in the article. But Hurd's team claimed Depp brought her to court simply to, quote, destroy her. Ben Rottenborn. That's a great name for a lawyer, isn't it? Rottenborn. Ben Rottenborn, another lawyer for Hurd, said in his opening statement that Depp was trying to mislead the jury with crazy conspiracy theories. Although oh, they've got to make a video of this. Uh, a movie, you know what I mean? And maybe Johnny, they could star as, as themselves, or maybe just film the whole thing. I reckon it, it... Is it on live court television? It should be, if it's not. Anyway, Rotten born said Heard was telling the truth about horrific abuse she endured, but the case is really about a narrow legal question whether Heard's opinion piece was free speech protected by the US Constitution's First Amendment. That is the question, and that is what you were being asked to decide, Rottenborn told the jurors. Mr. Depp's team is going to try and turn this case into a soap opera. Why? I'm not really sure, said Rottenborn. Maybe it's because the evidence isn't pretty for Mr. Depp, he went on. Anyway, Johnny Depp, who's now 58, uh, wore an all-black three-piece suit, with a white tie and white pocket square. Okay, does anyone, oh, I suppose people watch court television for the, uh, the fashion. Anyway, he walked into the courtroom with a big smile as onlookers gasped. That's according to the New York Post. During the opening statement, he sat back in his chair looking somber and noticeably grimaced when his lawyer told the jury that they'll be presented with images of his severed finger from an injury he sustained when Heard allegedly threw a vodka bottle at him. God. Anyway, Heard, who's much younger, she's 35, she was wearing a grey suit. With a black shirt and her hair was tied back, in case you really wanted to know, she looked apparently stoic throughout the opening statement, while Depp's lawyers painted her as a lying and deceptive temptress. <laughs> Camille Vasquez, a lawyer for Depp, told jurors Heard had been the aggressor throughout the star's relationship. She would berate him, scream at him, he would just retreat, Miss Vaquez said. Heard concocted a role for herself as victim. She went on. Once Depp had asked her for a divorce in an attempt to avoid humiliation, she's obsessed with a public image. She's been living and breathing this role for years now and she is preparing to give the performance of her life. Wow. Anyway, lawyers for Heard instead claim the actress had endured emotional, verbal and physical harassment at the hands of Depp. Depp wants to haunt her to wreck her career, apparently. Anyway, a jury of 11 will decide. 11 members were selected on Monday for the trial, which, six weeks... (coughs) Excuse me. We're going to listen to this rubbish for six weeks, are we? All right, well, seven members ultimately will deliberate with four members selected at random to serve as alternates at the end of testimony, closing arguments. Uh, Depp was married to Heard from 2015 to 2017. All right, and on it goes. Well, it'll be interesting, absolutely, to hear what goes on and how it all plays out. Of course, outside court, there were plenty of fans holding small black pirate flags. Yeah, alright, and many holding signs reading, Justice for Johnny. Anyway, the trial, as I said, will last several weeks, and both Depp and Heard are expected to testify in person, while some witnesses may be heard via video link. And more details about the private lives of the two actors are expected to emerge. Look, I don't know, we'll... <laughs> Do you think that they uh, they might end up regretting this, the both of them? There's going to be a lot of uh, dirty laundry aired, which is no good. And you know, we know that unfortunately for Johnny Depp, his role as Captain Jack Sparrow in the Pirates of Caribbean franchise is all but done. He was also apparently asked to step down from the Fantastic Beasts series based on the book by Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling. You know, so, you know, this whole airing of Dirty Laundry and uh, the publicity around the couple's obviously volatile relationship. I mean, how on earth is it going to do either of them any good longer term? Anyway... Plenty of people will watch it, and I have a feeling a lot of the world, millions upon millions of people, will be transfixed by this. Johnny Depp v. Amber Heard. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Well, he's finally said the G word. I'm talking about the American president, Joe Biden. And finally, he's, uh, well, he's felt moved enough to use the word genocide in relation to the Ukraine-Russia war. I don't like to refer, it, uh, refer to it as a, a Ukraine-Russian war. I, I tend to say it's a, a Russian invasion. Anyway, US President Joe Biden has accused Russia of genocide in Ukraine amid fears the use of chemical agents are now being used in areas including um, Mariupol, Dear OD, so it's the first time that the President, Mr Biden, has accused Vladimir Putin's forces of committing genocide in the Ukraine. Uh, now, just a day or two ago, Mr. Mold, uh, Mr Biden told reporters it's become clearer and clearer that Putin is just trying to wipe out the idea of even being able to be a Ukrainian. Yes, I called it genocide. Biden said hours after employing the term during a speech in Iowa, the first it's the first use by a member of his administration. We'll let the lawyers decide internationally whether or not it qualifies, but it sure seems that way to me, said the president. The call comes as Moscow, already accused by the West of widespread atrocities against civilians, is feared to be readying a massive attack across Ukraine's east that Washington warned might involve chemical weapons. Well, I read last night, and I think I saw it on the news, um, apparently the, the Russians are already being accused of using some sort of uh, gas. Anyway, Mr Biden's call uh, received a quick response and support from UK President's, uh, Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky, who tweeted, True words... Uh, from a true leader. Calling things by their names is essential to stand up to evil, Zelensky wrote, renewing his appeal for more heavy weapons to prevent further Russian atrocities. While the toll on towns occupied during the month-long offensive to take Kiev, uh, Kiev, the capital such as Bukha is still coming to light. The heaviest civilian toll is feared to be in Mariupol, where Zelensky said he believed Russia had killed tens of thousands. Really? Dear, oh dear, Moscow is believed to be trying to connect occupied Crimea with Russian-backed separatist territories, Donetsk and Lugansk in Donbass, and has laid siege to the strategically located city. Look, experts believe that its fall to the Russians... Is inevitable, but as fighting drags towards its seventh week, the Ukrainian army are still clinging on. Now, on Wednesday, yesterday, the land forces of Ukraine said that airstrikes on the city continue, particularly targeting its port and the iron and steel works. Have you, have you seen the uh, the destruction? I mean, it's just it's heartbreaking. You know, and it's hard to imagine. Uh, And I'm looking at a picture here, an aerial view of the city of Mariupol. And it's just tinged with charred buildings, debris everywhere. Uh, It it just looks like, well, a war zone. Obviously, it's a war zone. And looking at a, uh, uh, a satellite image here, of Mariupol, you know, shows destroyed apartment buildings and houses, you know, since when are apartment buildings and houses, you know, uh, targets, they're certainly not military targets, they're civilian targets, Um, and tens of thousands, as Vladimir Zelensky is saying, may well have been killed. You know, Ukraine says more than 1,200 bodies have been found in devastated areas around Kiev, with authorities pursuing 500 suspects, including Mr Putin and other top Russian officials. Well, good luck with that. But still, uh, French investigators, we're told, arrived in Ukraine to help probe suspected war crimes, as the European Union earmarked two and a half million euros to the International Criminal Court for future Ukraine cases. Well, as I said, the problem is Russia is believed to be trying to connect occupied Crimea and Moscow-backed separatist territories in Donetsk and Lugansk in Donbass. And that's, you know, basically why they're destroying Mariupol. You know, it was once a city of Nearly half a million people, just over 400,000 people. And unfortunately, it looks like, you know, so many of them, civilians at least, have been massacred. And that's why Joe Biden had no problem using the term for the first time by any US leader, the term genocide. We can only hope and pray that it comes to an end as soon as possible. Marcus Paul in the morning. Alright, welcome back. Well, a little more on the um, the election front. And I noticed uh, you know, I'm trying to give a, a little bit of balance. Uh, the only the other thing I can listen to um, for talk back in Sydney at the moment is 2GB.
1: <coughs>
0: Giving up on the other mob, but uh, look, I was always accused, as you know, of being uh, too far to the left and being some sort of Labour stooge. But you know, uh, 2GB listening as I have for the last week or so, I mean they're so far to the right they can't go any further. And it starts at the breakfast time and runs all the way through the day. And then they got the. Uh, the sports guy-turned-political commentator, Jim Wilson. <laughs> who every second story he does is, some, is bashing Anthony Albanese up. Anyway, uh, I listened with interest yesterday afternoon uh, because apparently the right have their knickers in a knot about the Climate 200 candidates refusing to identify their preferences ahead of the federal election. Well, even if they did, Mr Wilson, I doubt very much whether they would identify anything to you. Uh, You're always calling somebody out. That's what they do there. They call people out. Anyway, apparently, um, these Climate 200-backed independents who are apparently being supported by, is it Holmes or Court? Anyway, whoever it is, uh, they're really upset. They forget to, you know. What the big deal? Of course, to acknowledge the fact that um, the LNP, and it's pretty damn obvious, are fully supported and funded, you know, by people like uh, the Nine Network's Peter Costello, which is fine. He's a big part of Channel Nine and, and and that's the way it is. I haven't got an issue with that. Damn, son. Well, I love it how they get the knickers in the knot by saying, oh, well, it's not fair. They're getting, you know, all these millions of dollars provided to them, these independents. Uh, Well, they probably need it in order to get some sort of balance or some sort of coverage, considering they're not going to get much press from you know, News Corp, or certainly from Costello's mob at nine, and, and that's fine, that's just the way it is. Anyway, um, I found that interesting, the Climate 200 candidates refusing, if you like, to identify their preferences ahead of the federal election. Um, now, Georgia Steele, yeah, she uh, released a statement, the approach I will take If I found myself in a hung parliament situation, it's the same approach I will take to all decisions as a federal parliamentarian. I will listen to both sides, analyse their policy positions, look at their track records on issues of importance, consult with experts, colleagues and most importantly, my community. Well, hang on, she's answered. Why do they need to answer ahead of time? Uh, just to, what, keep you happy, uh, Mr... Wilson. That's not just uh, Jimbo, but uh, Ray Hadley's been at it. Uh, He's having a good old crack at Anthony Albanese. Uh, Why Anthony Albanese's latest promise has Ray Hadley seeing double. He goes on, the most recent announcement by the opposition leader can hardly be described as new. Anthony Albanese has promised $135 million to roll out 50 emergency health clinics across the country if he's elected in May. There are reports the pledge was brought forward in Labor's campaign to help the party regain control after a rocky start to the campaign trail. But Ray Hadley says the policy sounds all too familiar. (laughs) He said, I've got 20 or 30 emails saying the same thing that I seized upon at 4.30 this morning. Wasn't this something that Kevin Rudd tried to do back in 2007? Yes, yes it was. Now, if that's the best Anthony Albanese he can do, it's a, is toss up this idea that was put forward, first of all by Kevin Rudd, and failed Labor miserably while they were in government, he's in big strife. Stop it. Get some help. All right, well, look, maybe it's still a good idea, Ray. Maybe having $135 million spent to roll out 50 emergency health clinics across the country is a good thing. You know, regardless of whether, you know, they didn't get her across the line the last time. Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt, oh, well, of course, if it's not. Peter Dutton that Hadley goes to, it's some other LNP stooge. Um, Ah, MP. Uh... Anyway, Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt said there's a major reason the disastrous policy was never carried out in full the first time around. He said for those that don't know, there was a disastrous policy under Kevin Rudd called Super Clinics. They didn't build half of them, then those that they did. They didn't run for the hours that they promised. They didn't bulk bill at the levels they said. Of all the things that you could do in health, repeating the failed super clinic program is the most surprising. Yep, all right, well, there you go. As I say, I I often shake my head. You know, I was criticised for apparently being far too left. But there's plenty of media out there that have... That are equally, if not more so At least I spoke to You know, One Nation Pauline Hansen, Mark Latham And others I spoke to the Greens Adam Bant, and others uh, You won't hear uh, oh, Latham, you hear on GB But you won't hear Pauline Hansen on there And you certainly won't hear any of the Greens on there Nope Anyway uh, Apparently you're only allowed to have an opinion uh, In this game if it's A conservative one Or, you know, you're on the right side of politics Otherwise you're just a lefty Or a Labour stooge Whatever Hey, speaking of One Nation George Christensen (laughs) I know, right Anyway, I wonder uh, Look, it'll be a, a really tough slog for him to get a Senate seat But anyway It's
1: time to stop
0: Um, One Nation do have a a pretty big platform, Uh, and they also have some resources, so I can understand why, George, I'll change my mind. I'm not going to retire now. Christensen sided with Pauline and the rest of them, Malcolm Roberts. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. And just on Adam Bant, I want to (laughs) finish the program (laughs) by acknowledging his brilliant response a pesky journalist question. I think um, our politicians, and I think people in general, are a little over the, uh, the quiz questions from journos trying to get, you know, a gotcha moment on camera so that they can, I don't know, That's a bitch. beat their chests about it later. Um, you know, I understand that if you're at the National Press Club, you're there to take questions. I get that. Uh, but when Adam Bant was asked uh, a specific question, like Anthony Albanese, he was the other day. Uh, he basically turned around and said to the journalist, I don't know, mate, Google it. But it was the way that he said it, and he just wasn't going to take any crap. And I thought it was brilliant, really good. Marcus Paul in the morning. <laughs> Well, that's it for me today and for this week. Um, A short week, and it'll be a short week again next week. Uh, We'll take the Easter off. I hope you have a wonderful, safe Easter. If you are out on the roads, please be careful. Drive to the conditions. Stick to the speed limit. Don't do anything silly. You may lose your licence or certainly double demerit points right across Easter. Enjoy all that Easter brings, uh, some time with the family or church if you're that way inclined and and, uh, eating lots of chocolates and hot cross buns and all the rest of it. I hope you have a wonderful Easter and you tune in again, of course, next Tuesday. We're back Tuesday morning after the Easter long weekend. Have a wonderful day. Look after each other and Don't forget, the Prawncast drops a little later today. If you wouldn't mind, give it a share if you can on social media. If you would like to sponsor the program, you can do that. Just drop me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. And, of course, keep following the Facebook page. And Thank you for interacting on it. We'll be back Tuesday. Catch you soon. Bye now.
1: No pleasure here on earth I find